Welcome to the Faith Lighthouse Church message of the week. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. For more information about this message and other resources, visit mylighthouse.church. Well, we're glad that you're here today, especially because it's our first week of our At The Movie summer series. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. As you came in today, everybody's like, I smell popcorn. I, I changed my cologne, so just let you know. No, we've got popcorn in the back for everybody. As you leave, make sure you, when you pick up your kids, bring them over and get some popcorn. We've got our photo area out there, and every week we're going to have something different that we do, whether it's a part of our service or something that we give away. It's going to be a great time. And, and honestly, this is a great time to invite people to church that you know, maybe they're just not sure about you know, church and all of that stuff. It's a great opportunity to kind of get in the door and have a little bit of fun uh, with this series over the next couple of weeks. Our, our elementary kids, they're going to be taking part of this as well. They, they're doing their own at-the-movie series, so they're going to talk about a different movie every week and and that's the goal of this series is to take a look at a different movie every week and how we can find faith in film now that that may seem absolutely impossible that you know some of the stuff that comes out of Hollywood and some of the movies that are out there it's a stretch I'll be honest with you there are some it's a real stretch but I do believe that we can find God's truth in everything if we're willing to look for it if we're willing to see how God is able to move that we can find faith and and how we can challenge and encourage ourselves even in some of these movies. And this year, like every other year it seems like, there's a lot of movies that that everybody's like, yeah, I got to see that movie. That's a a movie that's on my list and and all of the things that go out there. Disney, my word, how how much money have we all spent on Disney and Disney-related movies and all those things? Some of you, you might have the whole Disney collection at home, all the movies, all those things. You know, Disney remakes I'm telling you, they've got the model. I mean, they make a movie, and then they wait a little bit, and then they release it by a special release. And then now, this summer, they're releasing them all in live-action movies. And so it's, we did the cartoon thing, and now we're going to release it, the same movie, but a little bit different, but live actors. And, uh, like, uh, Aladdin just came out. And, uh, and I know there's mixed reviews on that. Some people, oh, no, you, you messed with the classic. And I thought it was okay. But, you know, part of the, the, part of the, you know, the idea with movies is you, know, you come out with an idea, and some of them are a smash hit, and then they realize there's money to be made here. We're on, what, Toy Story number 4 coming out now? Goldmine, cha-ching! Often with sequels, the, the, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth... Not as good as the first, right? It's hard to duplicate that first movie, the, the, the smash hit. And I will say this about Toy Story is they have done a tremendous job with the, the whole, you know, the, the, the entire line of movies that they've come out with. It, that every movie has been pretty solid. As a matter of fact, one of the weeks we're going to do Toy Story. So we're going to have some fun with that as well. But it's often difficult to duplicate the elements of the first movie. It's, it's hard when you come up with a sequel and part two, part three, whatever it may be, that there's just not the elements of the first movie that you can duplicate, or they try too hard to make the sequel as good as the first. So what we're going to do every week is we're going to take a look at some different movies and how we can find faith, and some of them may be sequels and some may be originals, um, but I believe that we can find faith in film. And so this week... Uh, we have our first movie that we're going to be looking at. And this movie, in fact, has been rebooted many, 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 many times. Go ahead and hit it. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, it's alive. A gigantic beast stalking the earth. 
crushing all before it. In a cyclonic cavalcade of electrifying horror, raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Incredible Titan of Terror. Wiping out a city of six million in a holocaust of flame. Jet planes cannot destroy it. Bombs cannot kill it. All modern weapons fail. Is this the end of our civilization? Can the scientists of the world find a way to stop this creature? For the answer, see Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Dynamic violence. Savage action. Spectacular thrills. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Fantastic beyond comprehension. Gripping beyond compare. Astounding beyond belief. The mightiest monster of them all. See Godzilla, King of the Monsters. There's a lot I can say about that clip. But I will say this. The voiceover guy, amazing. I mean, come on. Don't you want to see Godzilla, King of the Monsters now? All right, be honest. How many of you remember that? Oh, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> now, and that you, right where I was about to go with that. Now, compare and contrast. That, I mean, that was state of the art. Now you look at it and go, oh my gosh, that's like a toy train that they've got right there. That's little plastic cars and a guy in a suit, you know, whatever, and like an aerosol spray can for the, like, what is going on here? And now we've got this huge monster that, I mean, really looks like it's real life. But the Godzilla franchise has been rebooted many, many times. And, and in fact, it's been running since 1954. It's a part of the, the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest-running franchise of, of all time. Now, I know the movie industry isn't all that old, but it is the longest movie uh, franchise of all time with uh, periods of hiatus from here or there. But there have been a total of 35 Godzilla movies. How many have seen all 35 Godzilla movies? Okay, I didn't think so. Now... All, all the different Godzilla movies, they have different undertones. If you're not a Godzilla fan and, you know, you haven't really paid much attention to them, when you look at them, some of them actually have political themes. You know, originating from Japan, some of them would model or talk about things that are happening in the political climate in Japan. Others uh, have a bit of, of, a, of a darker side to them. Some of them deal with mythology, and some of them are just simply a blow-it-up-we-want-to-destroy-the-movie action film. Because we all like that, right? Especially us guys. Yeah, I don't care about the plot. Just blow stuff up. I don't care, you know? That's what happens with the Transformer franchise, right? I mean, the first one started as okay, and then by the whatever fourth or fifth one, it's just blowing stuff up just for the sake of it. That's kind of how Godzilla could. It could be in a lot of those films. But again, how? How can we see faith? How can we see God in a film like Godzilla? The director of the latest reboot of Godzilla here in America, he said that he compared... <laughs> This huge part lizard, part dinosaur, part sea creature to a god who protects the world from violence. Now, when you look at movies, typically what happens is in the Godzilla movies is that the humans, they really don't have much to do with the plot. <laughs> that they try, but ultimately they just have to sit back and just let Godzilla do his thing. And in fact, usually they're appearance in the movie actually makes things worse. <laughs> they're really not helping. They're just making it worse. How many feel like that in your life? I'm not doing anything but making things worse. 
Often that happens throughout the Godzilla movies. They just make it worse until they realize we just need to step back and let this mythical creature do his thing to save the day that they're just making things worse. But ultimately, isn't that what we realize in our lives and our walk with God? That we need to stop and just let God be God. That we try and we do everything we possibly can, but then ultimately we have to say, God, you're in control. That you have to save the day for us. That everything is in your hands. That we have to learn how to let a sovereign God be sovereign over every area of our lives. Not just the ones that we want him to, but every area that ultimately his justice will prevail. Now, we can see this in a variety of scriptures. We can see this other places, but I'm going I'm to look one in particular. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Job. I'm going to inspire you today with the book of Job. Job chapter 12. Now, you, you're probably familiar with the book of Job, and I don't have time to go into all of it, but we know a bit of the struggle that Job faced, that, that Job had everything that he could possibly want. He had the family, he had the land, he had possessions, he had it all. And then one day, boom, it's all gone. And so Job goes through this, this whole dialogue with his friends. And, and back and forth, and, and, and they're you know, trying to give Job advice and all these things. But I want to pick up in Job chapter 12, and this is one of Job's responses to his friends. Job chapter 12, starting at verse 13. But true wisdom and power are found in God. Counsel and understanding are his. What he destroys cannot be rebuilt. What he puts someone, when he puts someone in prison, there is no escape. If he holds back the rain, the earth becomes a desert. If he releases the waters, they flood the earth. Yes, strength and wisdom are his. Deceivers are deceived, are both in his deceivers and deceived are both in his power. Now again, looking at the story of Job, the, the, the contrast of what's going on between he loses everything and his friends are trying to encourage him. They're trying to, they're trying to help Job out. But when you look at it, they're really not much help at all. That, that, that they're only doing more harm than they are, are doing any bit of good. That it, it, it happens often in life that, that maybe you found yourself in a situation like this where something, something tragic or something bad has happened to you and you've had somebody come along and try to encourage you and, and tell you something to encourage you, but, but what they said was really not helpful at all. That the loss of a loved one, and they may say, well, at least you're in a better place. How is that helpful? It's not, it's, I, okay, that may be reality. They, they may be in a better place, but I miss them right here with me. They're uh, dear to my heart. And, and the reason why we do that, and maybe you've actually said something like that, and I'm not trying to, to condemn anybody or anything like that, but it's just the fact that we try to fill the void. We try to fill the space. We, we want to do something to make someone feel better. We, we understand they're hurting. We understand, and so we want to do something. But, but often the best thing to do in times like that, if somebody is going through a difficult time, don't say anything. Just simply be there. Just listen to them. Or if you feel like you need to say something, talk about the individual. Talk about their good qualities, their good attributes. Remember good times. Remember good things about them. And don't try to, to, to encourage them by something else. That The best thing we possibly can do is just be there. Offer a hug. Offer a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes the best things to do is just not say a word. 
but we want to make people feel better. And that's what Job's friends are ultimately trying to do. They're trying to make him feel better. He's lost it all, and so we've got to find, grasp at straws, something to make reason of all of this. Job, you've lost everything because of something. But yet all their responses were off the mark. Every single one of them. And Job retorts and goes back and forth. And talks about the different things. And, and, and ultimately what we see here is something that Job understands more than his friends do. Is that God is in control. Even though he lost everything, he still ultimately knew God is over all things. God is in control of every part of our lives and our world. That even when things don't make sense, that God is still in control. While there is no rhyme or reason for why this is happening, God is in control. And Job's friends, they just can't grasp that. What do you, that doesn't make sense. There has to be a reason. Many of us are that same way. Something happened. There has to be a reason why this is going on. And times that is true. And times that things happen in our life, it is a result of our actions. Sinful actions produce negative results. I mean, we can't expect just to live through life and do whatever we want and not face consequences to them. I mean, if you cheat on your taxes and the IRS comes, you know, knocking on your door, God, why is this happening? Why did you do this to me? It's, it's not God doing it to you. It's a result of your choice. You didn't pay your taxes or you lied about it, and so that's a result of it. Yes, there are times in our lives that we do something and there is a negative result. Yes, but there are times things happen, they, we don't fully understand them. There are things that we cannot hold on to, and that's what Job's friends are There has to be a reason. There's got to be. But Job understood that God is over everything. Job ultimately just wanted, he, he wanted audience with God. Ultimately, God, just let me share my side. I know you're over everything, but I just want to share my case. Just hear my side of the story. We probably have all had that discussion with God too. But Job was confident there's no deep, dark sin. There's no issue. There's nothing that I know my relationship with God. But he understood the greatness of God. And living each day, trusting God that he is over all things, even the stuff that doesn't make sense. That we have to trust him and we have to give up control in our lives. In, in an infant's development stage... We, we all go through this. We all go through different stages of development. But all infants go through the initial stage of development. And the first initial stage of development is learning to trust. Uh, an infant learns to trust his caretakers, his or her caretakers. Now, the more that, that trust is built, that when the child cries and somebody gives the baby a bottle or food, the baby understands, I can trust these people. Or if a diaper needs to be changed, or if they're scared, the more that the caretaker is there, more trust is established. If a child is in a situation where they are not cared for, that child ultimately will grow up having trust issues. Trust is the foundation for what we all go through in our child development. In our walk with God, we are building trust with him along the way. That every situation, everything we go through, we're establishing that trust. Are we trusting him when something is going on? Do we know God is there? Do we know he is with us? And I firmly believe that the, the more challenges that we face, if we're open, we can see God working even in the stuff that doesn't make sense. 
There was a study done in 2018. So a very recent study done last year. And it asked all adults, what are the, the, the common things that you stress about the most? Now, I found this fascinating. It wasn't a multiple choice. It wasn't, you know, one, two, three, whatever. It was just fill in the blank. What are the, the things that you stress about the, the most? These are the top th- three things that all adults agreed on, or, or they said they were their, their top three stressors. Number one, 64% of adults said work was their number one stress. Any amens there? I didn't, no, I didn't do that. I did it for you guys. That wasn't, that was. Work. Work is the number one stress. 64% of adult Americans say work is their number one stress. Number two, 64% said, survey says, Number three, 63% said, you guys lose on the family feud, sorry. Better luck's next time. 63 to 64% of adult Americans all said this. It was not multiple choice. They all said these were the top three stressors, work, money, health. I understand how work can be a stressor. We all work in environments where there's pressures coming from different angles, whether it's a boss that you work for, whether it's coworkers, or you know, demands that are placed on you, and, and, and just the variety of things. that It can come from you from so many different angles. I understand how money can be a stressor, that you look at your bills and go, this is how much we have to pay, and this is how much we're bringing in, and, and work and money tie together because my work isn't paying me enough to spend as much as I want to on stuff, and so ah, they just... Go together. Or if something unexpected happens, you know, okay, we've got, you know, money to pay the bills, but then an unexpected event comes up and, oh, now we're stressed because we don't have money to pay for that. Or how are we going to find, or how can I work more to make more money? <gasps> I, I, like, I've never been there. I don't know. And I can see how health is a stressor as well. That we understand that, you know, if you go to the doctor and you get a bad report, now you're, now you're thinking, you know, what can I change? What can I do differently? How, all of these things, and, and, and perhaps the, the work and the money is leading to the health problem, that they're all tied in together. They may be individual or they may all be tied together. I can see how they all work together. But what if we saw some of these stresses as a good thing? What if we changed our perspective? You know, the only way that a muscle can grow is through stress. The only way that a muscle is going to grow is by putting, exerting pressure on it. A muscle will rarely, a muscle that is rarely exercised slips into uselessness. Yesterday, we had the wonderful privilege of, of going over and helping um, Everyday Blessings. They had a, a crazy situation going on, and they needed to move out of their current office into a temporary space and, and things like that. And we were able to, to take a couple of us guys over there and, and help and do that. It was, it was a great time to, to be able to help them. And I realized that there are muscles in my body <laughs> that are now useless. Yep, not picking up that table. Somebody else has got to get that one. All that bag right there, that's mine. I got it. Got it, guys. I'm good. It's really heavy. There's like weights in here or something. Like, I was, I was walking and like, I just, like, my leg just started hurting. Like, like what is this? 
This has never happened before. I got, I, 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 well, I haven't used that muscle in a while, apparently. It's useless to me right now. And we all feel that as we get older, that, that if we don't exert stress on our muscles, that they become a little bit useless. And the only way that a muscle to grow is, be, is to be stretched beyond its regular limits. If we're not exerting stress on our muscles to make them grow, then they're just going to stay where they are or they'll become useless. Stress demands placed on our lives or on our muscles is the only way it can grow. Stress demands on our faith allows our faith to grow. Without the stress placed on our faith, our faith isn't going to grow. As we go through the stresses of work, as we go through the stresses of money and even health, it encourages our faith to grow. Why? Because we're having to turn to God. God, I've got to trust in you. I have to trust that you're going to resolve all of this. When life is wonderful and life is great, you're not looking to God. You're not stretching your faith. 1 Peter 1.7 These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. The stresses that we go through in life cause us to turn to God. It causes our faith to grow, to expand. You may be, as I went through those three things, those are things that you're stressing about. But I guarantee those are things that you're probably having to go to God about as well. That it's stretching your faith. C.S. Lewis said this. Pain is God's megaphone. Turn down the megaphone, God. I can hear you. Sometimes we have to walk through pain so that God can get our attention. That we walk through these times because God is saying it's time to stretch and expand your faith. Because what happens is we become comfortable. On the show, The Big Bang Theory just finished up his final season. There's the main character, Sheldon. Such a quirky guy, quirky character. But if you've watched the show, you know Sheldon has his spot on the couch. Like, that's his spot. And, and, and why and he goes through the litany of things of why it's his spot. But basically, it's, that's his comfort zone. Everything, when I'm in this spot, all is well with the world. And for us, we, in our walk with God... We have spots that we get in our lives that this is where I am, this is where I'm comfortable, and this is where I want to stay. And nobody better infringe on my spot. We become territorial. It is, I'm telling you, it was the funniest thing. When we had to have service next door, everybody was sitting all over different places. We came back in here, everybody was right back where you normally sit. <laughs> Why? Because this is where I'm comfortable. This is where I always sit. This is my spot, and nobody better infringe on it. We all have those comfort zones in our lives, but maybe God is saying, I want to stress you. I want you to get a little bit uncomfortable, that, that I want to challenge your faith to grow, that when you're going through the situation at job, and I don't know how to deal with this coworker, maybe it means you get on your knees and you pray about it, and you pray for them, and God is growing and testing your faith and stretching that faith muscle. Maybe our priorities are off. 
Maybe you started with your priorities in line with God, but you have drifted. We see it throughout the Old Testament. The Israelites are connected. They're in line. They're in tune with God. And then what happens? Life becomes easy. The blessings of God, the favor of God is with them. And then what happens? They begin to drift. Their priorities are, are going astray. And now they're living in the lap of luxury. And God's house, the temple, is in ruins. How in the world did they let that happen? Their priorities are off. Many times we get connected with God. Maybe you started this year, 21 days of prayer and fasting. God, I'm connected with you, and I want to spend time in your word and, and all those things. And everything was going good through January and February, but now here we are in June and July, and maybe you've drifted. And God is maybe using these stressors to say, hey, get connected back to me. Get your priorities back in line. It's not something that we wake up and just decide to do. The Israelites didn't just decide to do it. It happened. They drifted away from God. And so what did God do? God put some stresses in their lives to drive them back to him to put their priority on him. I'm not saying this to make you ashamed or make you to feel any guilt. I'm just saying that maybe you look at your life and go, wow, I didn't even, I didn't even realize I drifted. It's like if you go to sleep in, 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 in a pool or something like that and you're on the little floaty thing and you're like, how did I get in the deep end? Because you just drifted. You're in there, and, and you're in your comfort zone, and everything is good. And, you know, like we talked about, it's summer. You have your glass of iced tea, and you're, but you just drift. And God's saying, no, wake up. I want you to get your priorities back in line with me. And number three is maybe God is wanting us to understand ultimately that he's in control, that he is in control over every situation in our lives, even the stuff that doesn't make sense, that he is in control. That he is in control of your life and everything that happens. And maybe he's driving you to realize that, that I've got to take a step back. And God, you are ultimately in control. That God is walking you through this to grow, to expand your faith. And there may be no reason why. I'm not going to stand up here like one of Job's friends and tell you the reason why you're going through these things is because X, Y, and Z. There are things that are a possibility but I don't know that for certain. And, and you may look and examine your life and listen to the Holy Spirit, and there really is nothing. That you're, 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 you're not in your comfort zone, that you're being challenged, and, and, and you're not just, you know, uh, your prior, priorities are in line with God, but stuff is happening. And maybe God's just saying, realize I'm in control, to trust in me, that he's trying to grow your faith in that area. The one thing that Job understood is that God ultimately was in control. Job understood how great God was. He knew that, that, that no matter what God set into place, he could happen. That God was over, was over all men. God was over the wise. God was over the rulers. God was over the darkness. God was over the nations. Job understood that. Sometimes God will reveal to us why we go through things. And other times, it's just simply a mystery. But ultimately, we have to know that God is in control. To have a firm grasp. That God is in control. You know, and, and, and tying back into the movies of Godzilla, that again, that often the people, they tried and they tried and they tried, but then they just had to step back and, and let Godzilla do the thing and save the day. And maybe there are times that God is saying, you just have to step back and let me take control. Let me save the day. You've been working. You've been trying too hard to do it yourself. Just trust in me. Allow me to work my plans and my purposes. Sometimes God just is so far above us and we will we'll never understand. But the one thing that remains in all of it is that we trust that he is in control, that he is sovereign over every area of our life. He is over 
the small things and the big things in life. Maybe you're going through a trial to grow your faith, to, to stretch that muscle that maybe has gone dormant. You know what? It doesn't always feel good when that happens. Just like yesterday and carrying that stuff and I felt a twinge in my back. Oh, that doesn't feel good. But I realized something. Get in shape, man. Okay, that means I need to do something. That means I need to work out. Yeah, I've lost weight, but now I need to actually work out and, and, and expand those muscles and, and actually use them that I haven't used in probably 15 years. But I have to do something and it doesn't feel good. And so maybe God is calling you to do something when it comes to your walk with him. All across the room, if you would close your eyes and bow your heads as we close this morning. I, I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you that whatever you're going through, that you can trust that God is in control. That you can trust God to save the day. That often we try to do things with our own hands. And maybe God's just saying, just step, take a step back and trust me. Maybe you're not going to get the answer as to why it's happening. And maybe the why isn't important. Maybe it's just the who. That you trust in him. That he just wants you to realize that I'm in control of your situation. I'm in control of your life. Just trust me. At the end of Job, he realized that when Job finally got that audience with God and, and he realized just to share his, and he's, man, God, you're, you're even bigger than I realized. Who in the world am I to stand in your presence? But he had a greater understanding of God in that moment. He understood who God was, but when he had that audience with God and he just had a greater understanding, and maybe today that's what God is trying to show you, just have a greater understanding of who I am. Just trust in me. I've got it under control, even though it doesn't make sense. Trust me. Or maybe you're going through something because God is wanting to challenge you to grow your faith. It's easy that when things in life are, are going great that we become comfortable. But as Christians, I don't believe that we're supposed to just live this comfortable, easy life. That we're going to go through challenge. And God wants to encourage us and grow our faith, not to stay where we are. So maybe see it as a challenge. God, I, I, man, this is tough. But maybe you're trying to encourage me to grow my faith, to get outside of my comfort zone, do things that I'm not used to doing. Or maybe you examine your priorities and say, yeah, I've drifted. And these things have caused me to turn back to you. Thank you, God, for using this to turn my eyes back to you. I'm not standing up today here saying I have the answer to everything. But I know God does. And maybe he's just saying, trust in me. God, I pray for every person this morning. As we've come here today and worshiped you. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for the work that you've done in our lives. I thank you again for the healing that is taking place. For, for lives being restored and relationships and all the things that, that are going on. But I pray, God, that through the trials and the stresses of life, I pray our eyes would be fixed on you, that we would understand you are in control. And if there's anybody here today that they just need a, a greater faith, they need to, to look to you, I pray in this moment, God, that their, their faith would rise and they would see that you're in control. Or maybe they're here today and say, I just need to step back. I've been trying too hard. And God, you're in control. I don't need to know the answer why. I just need to trust in you. Man, 
how our priorities line up with you. If there's anybody here today that maybe they've drifted, say, this is an opportunity for me to come back to you. However you may be here or whatever may be on your heart, trust that God is in control. It may not always make sense, but ultimately, He is in control. We trust you. We trust in who you are, God. In every one of our lives, we give every part of you. And maybe that's what you have to say right now. Is God, I, I just give it all to you. Every part of me, I give it all to you. Again, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your presence here. As we leave this place, may we be inspired, may we be challenged that through the trials of life, that maybe you just want us to grow, that our faith would rise, that we, we could encourage others that may be going through a difficult time as well. Thank you, God, for being in control of our lives. We trust you. And we ask all these things in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you've enjoyed this teaching, would you consider a gift to support the ministry of FLC? Visit mylighthouse.church forward slash give. Faith Lighthouse Church is located at 3409 Paul Buckman Highway in Plant City, Florida. Our weekly worship services are held on Sundays at 11 a.m. We also have various life groups and programs for all ages that meet throughout the week. We'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing in Plant City.